they 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 cheat. Come on, man, I ain't finna go Alex Jones level with y'all, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's Monday, March 27th, 2023. Today, in our Sunday review of the mainstream media, we're looking at an interview that Maggie Brennan did on CBS Face the Nation, where she interviewed Representative of Texas, Tony Gonzalez, Republican whose district spans 300 miles across the Texas-Mexico border. And he welcomed former President Donald Trump to Waco, Texas on Saturday, where tens of thousands turned out for his first official campaign rally of the 2024 election. Quite amazing, really. So, I'll be skipping the propaganda on CBS Sunday Morning today. Uh, They had a piece on um, Gretchen Whitmer that I was going to cover, but uh, a little short on time now. Well, I was putting this stuff together. So, um... First, I'll be turning to the Sunday New York Times, showing how the newspaper continually mischaracterized the facts to mislead the public. I'm gonna go into a couple late-breaking opinion pieces uh, that came out following Trump's rally, which, which took everybody off guard because some reports had the crowd at 50,000, um, the area is supposed to hold 40,000. Uh, I think it was closer to 20,000 just by looking at the crowd. I, you know, I could be wrong, but so let's uh, get into the news. Uh, I'm going to start off with this article from the New York Sunday, New York times, um, which is relevant to what we're going to be talking about, which is really the Waco rally where Marjorie Taylor green spoke uh, to rounding applause. So lawmakers tour the DC jail where January 6th defendants are held. So apparently also at the Waco rally for Trump, he opened with, I guess, a song that was put together by some of the jailed defendants of January 6th. So Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said the detainees reported mistreatment, but a Democratic lawmaker said there were conditions were better than others. Now, I'm not going to go into this article, and we're going to kind of speed right through these, but um, this is an article by Luke Broadwater, and um, when they say in the subhead here, but a Democratic lawmaker said their conditions were better than others, they're referring to southern prisons where detainees are convicted and held for violent crime. Now, you can't, I mean, you can't compare rapists and murderers and and violent career felons with people that trespassed or maybe tussled with police. Because as they continually, as the Republicans continually bring up, is that during the 2020 riots, 
that leftists battled with police all the time. And in Portland, it went on for months, a battle, a battling with federal police on trying to take over and burn down a courthouse there in Portland, Oregon. So I'll just read the lead here by Luke Broadwater. When Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican of Georgia, arranged a tour uh, of the D.C. jail to inspect the conditions of the defendants charged in the January 6th Capitol riot, Democrats faced the choice, boycott or participate. Well, they boycotted. But they talked about it later, uh, which really wasn't um, fair. So aptly, uh, roughly after the two-hour tour of the jail Friday, Ms. Green finished her remarks to a news uh, reporter's gathered outside. Representative Jasmine Crockett, Democrat of Texas, stepped up to the microphones. Somebody's got to tell the truth here, she said. And then she goes into uh, comparing jails of Texas and Arkansas where she said inmates face such harsher conditions and they compared them with the January 6th attack. My frame of reference comes out of Arkansas jails, Texas jails. That's not a fair comparison. Um, and they go on to say, uh, they talk about, and the, and the inmates talked about how the jail was, was cleaned and freshly painted days before the congressional tour took place. And even uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and others admitted that uh, the conditions had improved, but they were, and don't forget these are political prisoners, so we don't want to miss that fact, that most of them are held on trespassing, like simple trespass, which is not, you know, like the guy who got the, what was it, the Q, Q Anon Shaman or the Q Shaman or whatever, the guy with the horns, he got four years in prison for trespassing. He didn't fight with police or anything. Four years for simple trespass. I mean, come on. He didn't break in. It's just, it's really, and he was held uh, without bail almost the whole entire time. So moving on to the next article here, uh, before uh, 12, <laughs> before 12 a.m., migrants on foot dash into Canada to beat deadline. A freer era of um, immigration or migration into Canada ended on Saturday when officials stopped accepting asylum petitions for from people who walked in at unofficial crossings. So even Canada now is tightening up um, because they're getting overwhelmed. Um, the fact is, as they keep calling this migrants on foot dash, these are illegal immigrants. Nobody is illegal. These are illegal immigrants that are crossing into Canada through the United States. And the fact is, is that even Canada is toughening up their border restrictions for migrants, for illegal immigrants that are arriving on foot. Um, asylum seekers that arrive by plane or by bus or whatever, I guess, are, are treated differently. But uh, that, that's certainly not surprising. But the whitewash here in the New York Times is... Um, the fact that they called migrants on foot had better dash to meet the deadline of terrible restrictions of not allowing a sovereign country to allow illegal border crossings. The tightening of Canada's borders at Roxham Road and at all other unofficial border crossings on Saturday at 12 a.m. and a less restrictive era of migration to the country by foot and quieted a domestic political dispute of how to handle a surge of arrivals. Canada has welcomed refugees from Syria, Ukraine, and elsewhere and has pledged to increase immigration to the country by 1.5 million by 2025, earning a reputation as being more open to migrants and other Western nations. 
Uh, but they see, just like Sweden did, you see what happens when you start accepting people with open arms and you get a surge and all of a sudden you don't have the infrastructure to handle uh, these people that are usually unskilled, don't know the language and don't have any place to stay or any income or wealth. Moving on to the next story. This was the cover story on Sunday. Stolen Valor, excuse me, Stolen Valor, the U.S. volunteers in Ukraine who lie, waste, and bicker, people who who would not be allowed anywhere near the battlefield in a U.S.-led war active on the Ukrainian front with ready access to American weapons. I'm not going to go into this uh, whole article by Justin Sheck and Thomas Gibbons Neff, they rushed to Ukraine by the thousands, many of them Americans who promised to bring a military experience, money, or supplies to the battleground of a righteous war. Hometown newspapers hailed their commitment and donors backed them with millions of dollars. These are about idiots who fell for the propaganda that it was a righteous war. It really isn't a righteous war, and people were misled about, you know, saving Ukraine, a saving the democracy in Ukraine <laughs> from um, the uh, invasion by Russia, unprovoked uh, invasion, which it was neither. It's neither a democracy nor was an unprovoked invasion. And what happens is when they get there, they find out the reality of what's happening. Most of these are grifters trying to make money off of the situation. Some of them were truly intent. They wanted to go there and fight, but they found out when they joined the Legion, which was uh, where, you know, where they compromised the foreign fighters for the Ukrainian, that they were badly trained and um, badly equipped and then thrown into the front to get slaughtered. And they found out that that wasn't really the way to go. And a lot of them realized, though, that when they got there, some defected, uh, so the story says, when they realized who who's right in this war. Now, I'm not a defender of Russia. Uh, I'm not a Russophile. I'm not a defender of Putin. Uh, I'm not a defender, uh, defender of military aggression, whatever. But I understand the intricacies of this uh, global geopolitical at, um, and strategic battle here, which is a, basically a Slavic war um, about Russia's um, strategic security interests. And so a lot of people are defecting and they're going to fight for the Wagner group uh, for Russia. Those, those who are real mercenaries who went there to apply their wares uh, and get paid are finding that they were on the wrong side of the fight and are going to fight with Russia, whether that's, you know, here or there, whether that's right or not. Um, but they found when they went to fight for Ukraine, they were badly equipped, badly trained, and they needed to do the training of badly equipped, badly trained Ukrainian forces. Now, the New York Times has a picture here. Um, Alex Wilhelmsen trained Ukrainian soldiers last year. I'll just read the caption as part of the Mozart group, which two former Marines established to help Ukraine. It disbanded after one founder sued the other alleging theft and harassment. So it was quite a mess there when these people tried to do the right thing and mercenaries will fight for anybody as long as they get paid. But the reality is, is that these people that go there and fight found it a different reality on the ground than they were told. 
So if you didn't know, there was a big fight on about TikTok. They had the CEO of TikTok uh, in front of a congressional hearing where he got lambasted by both Democrats and Republicans. But one Democrat who wasn't on the in the committee, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and this is the headline here, goes on TikTok to argue against banning TikTok. Now, she didn't regularly post to TikTok. Actually, this was her first TikTok. And TikTok isn't allowed on government officials, uh, cell phones, tablets, whatever. It's been banned by a lot of governments, a lot of state governments and from the federal government. So I don't know on whose app she posted, but she did post because uh, she doesn't have account there. She joined left-leaning colleagues to oppose a ban on the Chinese-owned app, which critics in both parties have said threatens national security, which it does because all the info goes to the communist Chinese party. And what a lot of people don't realize here is that um, she is, well, a lot of Democrats and the Democrats who are defending the ban on TikTok is because as a political tool, TikTok is necessary to reach their base because their base are a bunch of brain dead uh, minions who don't care if they're funneling data and engaging or allowing the communist Chinese to engage, engage in espionage and propaganda influencing so they don't really care about that all they care about is that this is a tool for the democrats to reach out to their base but any public official who goes out defending tiktok uh is is way off base and obviously doesn't care about the sovereignty or the national security of the united states or your children or, or whatever and like a lot of people said oh what are the you know it if there is an opening, there'll be another tech firm that will create another short video platform. I mean, TikTok doesn't have the copyright on creating such a platform and um, it should be an American company because they're just using it um, to infiltrate and to, you know, obviously have a window into the lives of Americans, but also influence the lives of young Americans to support socialism like and that's exactly exactly what AOC does is she pushes socialism. So she is a, a communist foot in the door. And, you know, the communist Chinese party must love her. So moving on to a short technology news here. We need to talk just as soon as I consult chat, uh, chat GPT. I think this is from the style section. Faced with challenging situations in parenting, romance, or work, some are getting by with a little help from their AI friends. And this is an article by Allison Kruger. Um, and it just goes into every time he tried to bring up a sensitive issue, his son would give vague answers or run away, preferring to avoid serious talks in the past. But recently, he has turned to chat GPT, and he's not alone. Others are turning to artificial intelligence chatbots to figure out what to say in situations that feel high stakes. They're using the tool to talk or read to their children, to approach bosses, to provide difficult feedback, to write wedding vows or pen love letters. So this is the problem already, is that um, AI is becoming better than humans. And so humans are relying on AI to um, up the ante uh, for their lack of intellect. And this was, uh, uh, this was what um, Musk was talking about. Elon Musk was talking about that you have to put a brain chip in because the only way for humans to compete is to 
join with artificial intelligence to be able to compete with artificial intelligence. I don't necessarily believe in that, but you can already see fools going to AI uh, to do what they can't do. So I was gonna end up with this opinion piece here um, by Jamel Bowie. Don't be fooled, Ron DeSantis is a Bush Cheney Republican and that might very well be. The jury's still out on Ron DeSantis, especially after he flipped on um, his stance on supporting the Ukrainian war, which most people are against. Most Americans don't like war. Some idiots who have Ukrainian flags uh, in their yard who don't have Ukrainian heritage or lineage that are supporting a war because they think it's a righteous war, like I explained in the other piece, that they don't know that war is a waste of U.S. taxpayer dollars, first and foremost, um, and it increases the debt, uh, which puts us in a precarious position uh, to begin with, uh, not to mention that we borrow a lot for war, which when we borrow a lot, what happens is you not only do you get inflation, but also you devalue your currency. Um, and the Rothschild Bank knew this back in the 19th century, so this is no great you know, awakening, no great revelation here. But Jamel Bowie goes on, don't be fooled, Ron DeSantis is a Bush-Cheney Republican, and he tries to, ch uh, to chain him to the neocons, which he might very well be. I, it doesn't seem like he is. Um, he seems like an America first, but who knows? That could all be an act. Um, but he did say he, uh, he liked George Bush or that... Um, you know, he considers himself an acolyte of George Bush, who himself was an idiot. And um, he was more of an idiot than um, than Biden. Um, and he was handled. Uh, and anybody who watched the election or watched his presidency knew that he was just an empty suit. And, and you could see it now. He, he Speaking of lack of intellect, maybe he should have used AI. Um, he was an idiot. But I wanted to go into the uh, couple opinion pieces here that were post-Trump's uh, Waco rally, which, as I mentioned previously, had tens of thousands of people. Now, the first one is from Charles Blow. What did we learn from Trump's Waco rally? He's stuck in the past. And I'll just I'll go into the lead. I won't go into the whole thing. In the first big rally of his 2024 presidential campaign, Donald Trump didn't dwell on the symbolism of speaking in Waco amid the 30th anniversary of the deadly siege there that still serves as a right-wing cry to occur against federal authority. He didn't have to. His speech, like so many other speeches, was a mix of lies. It doesn't say what the lies are. Hyperbole, superlatives, invectives, doomsaying, puerile humor, and callbacks to old grievances, messages, messaging that operates on multiple levels. Well, it sounds like he's, you know, knows what he's doing if he's communicating on multiple levels. Democrats do that all the time and they don't re receive any criticism. Some of his followers here call, call to arms, some hear private uh, thoughts given voice, others hear the lamentation of valiant victims, still others hear a wry jokester poking his, poking his finger into the eye of the political establishment. Now, if you've ever listened to me before, you know that in 2016, the overwhelming sentiment of the uh, electorate was in fact anti-establishment. Most of the people supported either Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump, both anti-establishment candidates. The establishment candidate on the left, Hillary Clinton, stole the nominee, stole the um, primary away from Bernie Sanders, 
not surprising uh, because that's what the Democrats do. And um, everybody was upset about it, including Sean Lucas, a guy that filed um, a petition uh, against the Democratic Party and later died mysteriously, or Seth Rich, who was a Bernie Sanders supporter who also died in a mysterious quote-unquote robbery that has never been solved. But Blow goes on, as a blowhard does, is to um, uh, go on about... Um, Comedians are bound by the truth as the sensitivities of race, gender, and sexuality. After all, to get laughs, they're granted license to engage in a manner of distortion, and that's what Trump does. He called Stormy Daniels horse face, um, blah, blah, blah. Trump is the Andrew Dice Clay of American politics, Fonzie, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to go too much into it. They're the vanguards of the ridiculous war on wokeness, but this isn't Trump's lane. It's not his invention, and the pride resists a full embrace of it, and his pride resists a full embrace of it. Trump's, Trump spoke for about an hour and a half on Saturday, mostly saved the culture war rhetoric for the end, threatening an executive order to cancel funding for schools and teach critical race theory, gender, the transgender insanity, racial, sexual, and political content. And then he just says that in, in 2015, it was uh, similar. Being the personification of a television rerun, a horror comedy with retro reference isn't a match for this moment. This is in 2016. So basically, Trump is using a lot from his playbook in 2016. Blow hard here, says he's stuck in the past. Not really, because he's a, a, addressing a lot of the present day issues, but as people that are successful, they often do. They go back to what uh, they used in their successful run. Not a surprise here. David French, on the other hand, MAGA not Trump controls the movement now, which is a truth. But most telling exchange in Donald Trump's Waco, Texas rally on Saturday didn't come from, the tr from Trump itself. It came from the beginning when aging rock star Ted Nugent was warming up the crowd. I want my money back. He yelled, I didn't authorize any money to Ukraine to some homosexual weirdo referring to Zelensky, which I don't think he's homosexual. He did dance in a homoerotic video, which is enough, I suppose, but... Zelensky is an actor. So whether he's a crisis actor or not, he's a puppet of the West and he is an actor. So you put those two things together and you figure it out. Like this whole thing wasn't staged <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, it is a construct. Uh, and so did every speaker at Trump's marathon rally, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, who was great. Also, Matt Gates was great. One after another, they looked at Seething's conspiracy-addled crowd and indulged, fed, and stoked every element of their furious worldview. I didn't see a single truth, a true leader on Trump's stage, not even Trump himself. I saw a collective of collection of followers, each vying for the affection of the real power in Waco, the coddled mobulous, mo populist mob. Excuse me one more time. The coddled populist mob. It is Monday. You got to forgive me, Monday morning. To understand the social and political dynamic of the modern right, which is the new Republicans, libertarian populism. You have to understand how millions of Americans became in, inoculated against, against the truth. Throughout the 2016 Republican primaries, there was no shortage of Republican leaders and commenters who were willing to call out Trump. John McCain and Mitt Romney, the party's two previous presidential nominees, even took the extraordinary step of condemning their successor in no uncertain terms. 
Yet every time Trump faced pushback, he and his allies called critics elitist or fake news or weak or cowards, just establishment stooges. Trump derangement syndrome. With substantive critique, thus began the coddling of the populist mind, ironic for a movement that delighted in calling progressive students snowflakes. Disagreement on the right quickly became seen as synonymous with disrespect. If we, the people, the term partisans apply to what they call the real America, believe something, then people deserve to have that view reflected right back at them and their politicians and pundits. Talking about the conspiracy theories that all turn out to be true. Look, like I said, been in journalism for 30 years, been reading hard news since they're eight years old. There are facts out there if you care to look at them. It's like the lab leak theory is a conspiracy theory or that people with money and power somehow don't get together uh, they don't get together, certainly, in, in, in Switzerland to figure out what they're going to do. You know, it just, it, it's like when people, people said the Bohemian Grove and Bilderberg were just conspiracy theories. They're not conspiracy theories. There is a gaggle of well-moneyed elite that are deciding the outcome of the future because they need to know the future to capitalize on the future. And to capitalize on the future, you have to know what's happening. You have to know the future. So if you create the future, you're going to know what's happening. And so that's why it's all about, and a lot of people, uh, Republicans on the right, have failed to use, Alex Jones uses it all the time, is the word agenda. Because you talk about policy and all these different things, you don't talk about agenda. An agenda is something you put forth into the future so that you can mold the future to your own ends. And the elite have been doing this for some time. So why is it surprised to figure out that the elite are molding the future for their own end uh, and not our end? So David French will go on and, and say these things um, about Ted Nugent and all the other things about crazy conspiracy theories, Bill Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky, uh, talking about a Baptist belief, elitist. And it's like the New World Order. People don't talk about that. If you ever read up on the uh, John Birch Society or John Birch was and how communism or socialism uh, fits into all this. I mean, people don't understand about the British Fabian Society and... Uh, you know, you have to really read into all the things like Carol Quigley wrote about and all the things that, that go on. Um, so, and then he talks about the J6 prison choir. I have to read this because it, it feeds into the interview with um, Anthony Gonzalez. And if you think for a moment there's uh, any uh, Trump world regret over the January 6th insurrection, he calls it an insurrection. It wasn't an insurrection. The FBI said so. Everybody knows it's not an insurrection because they called it an armed insurrection because people are walking around with flagpoles. Flagpoles don't make an insurrection. It wasn't an armed insurrection. And if it wasn't armed, it wasn't an insurrection. The rally provided a decisive response. At the beginning of Trump's speech, he stood hand over his heart while he listened to a song called Justice for All, which he recorded with some called the J6 Prison Choir, a group of men in prison for storming the Capitol. The song consists of a choir singing the national anthem while Trump recites the Pledge of Allegiance. What the hell's wrong with that? So they're, they're, they're prisoners singing. So what the hell's wrong with that? If they were murderers and people of color, that would be fine. But because they were involved in January 6th is not expected. 
He boosted explicit Q content on Truth Social. Trump is a QAnon aficionado. Now I'll just go with the close now. There may have been a time when Trump truly commanded his movement. That time has passed. His movement now commands him. Fed by conspiracies, is hungry for a confrontation and rallies like Waco demonstrated its dominance, like the pirates standing in the front of Tom Hanks in the popular 2003 fil- 2013 film. Captain Phillips, the populist stand right stands in front of the GOP conservative media and, and even reluctant rank and file Republicans and deliver a single simple message. I'm the captain now. So Mr. French doesn't know anything about the liberty movement. And um, it starts a lot with the beliefs and the policies uh, put forth by the Freedom Caucus um, and a lot of things based in constitutional law and the Constitution itself, since we are a constitutional Republican, and that's why these people are Republicans, is because people want their individual freedoms, and that means you can't, in a republic, the the electorate rules the country through representative government. It, that's, that's the simple premise. So it doesn't matter. And the people on the new right, the new Republicans believe in constitutional rights and that their freedoms and constitutional freedoms should be protected. And that's what the government is for. And it's not for all this other stuff, starting a war in Ukraine and all this other nonsense and opening the Southern borders to dilute the citizenry uh, of the United States. So um, before I draw, you know, go on any longer, let's go to, before I go on any longer, let's go to um, Republican representative of Texas, um, Anthony Gonzalez. It was great to have President Trump back in Texas. Trump's policies, President Trump's policies worked. Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Thank you for having me. Because this is your home state of Texas, where the former president spoke last night. When he walked on stage, um, he played a recording made by some of those who are being prosecuted for attacking the Capitol on January 6th. He's calling for protest. He said things like death and destruction if he's indicted. I know you've supported him in the past. It was great to have President Trump back in Texas. And it, it was a reminder that Trump's policies, President Trump's policies worked. And right now we're, we're in, a, in a time mm-hmm. where Biden, Biden is failing us. You had endorsed the former president back in November 2020. So I haven't met with President Trump yet. I look forward to meeting with President Trump. But right now I'm focused on securing this border. Yeah. And I think that's a, a key part. I of hear it. what you're saying in terms of policy and substance. But what the former president was talking about was not policy or substance. What? Don't you see some danger from from lionizing those who are being prosecuted for breaking the law. President Trump honestly being attacked, being demonized on all these different fronts. You know, things that are happening to him uh, in regards to the classified documentation, similar things happen to President Biden. You don't see those things. I think a lot of people are done with the the political rhetoric. They want solutions. And whichever presidential candidate is going to bring real solutions to their lives is going to get their vote. So I I hear that you still support him. Um, It's interesting because you are such an independent voice. People are fed up with the environment that is happening. They're fed up with the rhetoric. They're tired of inflation. They're tired of the border crisis. They're tired of the national security policy. And they want real action. And whoever delivers that for them is going to get their vote. They were singing last night as the walk-on song for the former president of the United States. 17 of the 20 inmates held in that jail. (laughs) 
Let's talk about the border and law enforcement there. Um, in your district Friday, there was this horrific case of these two migrants found dead, others suffocating to death in this train. Um, Secretary Mayorkas blames smugglers. Do you have any idea where these migrants were coming from and how they passed undetected? Yeah, Margaret, sadly, this isn't a new issue for any of us that live in Texas's 23rd district. So Canipa happens all the time. Hondo is another city where this happens regularly. Uvalde, Eagle Pass. This has been ongoing for a couple of years now. Just last week, just last week in Ozona, Texas, small little town out in West Texas, yeah. there was a smuggler that came through town and killed uh, killed a, a woman, a grandmother and her granddaughter. So every day someone is dying. A border package that focuses on securing the border and an immigration package that focuses on legal immigration. Both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party often get it wrong when they focus on illegal immigration. And I'm going to do everything in my power, whether it's to buck my own party or buck the, uh, the other party, to be able to say we have to have real tangible solutions. H.R. 29 is a prime example, this Border Safety and Security Act. It does anything but secure the border. So guess what? That bill in particular, it's dead. Yeah. There's no way it's going to get on the floor. I'm going to do everything in my power to prevent that because in my district people yeah. are dying and we need real solutions. Dan Crenshaw recently urged the Biden administration to initiate military action against cartels. The mm -hmm. State Department isn't doing their job but Congress can't just point fingers. We can't just place yeah. blame. We are an equal body and we got to roll up our sleeves and find solutions. Yes. You can't handle the truth. Trump's policies, President Trump's policies worked. Yeah, uh, Trump's policies did work. He had a very successful rally in Waco. Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke, Matt Gates spoke. They all seemed like leaders to me. Um, fighting th the truth of the matter, which is uh, we've been taken over by corruption and the Chinese Communist Party is feeding that corruption. So there are a myriad of sellouts uh, in the federal government who are beholden to China. So, and they're gonna make their presence known. Uh, the reality is here is that the persecution of Trump has made him even stronger. That paired with DeSantis' support for the Ukrainian war um, has put Trump, some say, up 30 points ahead of DeSantis. That's not surprising. Um, I always supported Trump. I, I think getting him back into office, he's proved that he's willing to fight the system. Um, it's hard to say whether uh, DeSantis got in as president, whether he wouldn't be controlled or not, or cave, like he recently caved uh, on the war in Ukraine. Nobody wants this war, uh, unless you're, uh, you drank the Kool-Aid and you have a Ukrainian flag in your, in your front yard. All right, so for me, Rudy's Revelation, don't forget to like and subscribe and um, follow me down below. I'm on Substack now, so follow me on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Get Our Minds, True Social, or Substack, whatever you prefer. Leave a comment down below. Um, let me know what you think. And, um, or if you have some opinion about some of the topics I brought up, whether it's, you know, the New York Times, mainstream media, Trump's candidacy, what you think of Ron DeSantis. Even my friend Perry in Florida was like, uh-oh, Ron DeSantis supporting war uh, isn't a good thing for his candidacy. So I'll see you all tomorrow. This is a conspiracy. That's what this is.
this is.